Are you tired of carrying multiple pieces of equipment on your service truck? Lincoln Electric has introduced the solution, the Ranger Air 260 MPX. This multifunction engine drive combines an air compressor, generator, battery charger, battery jump starter, and multi-process welder in one compact device, specifically designed for the unpredictable circumstances and job demands of the work truck industry. But that's not all. The Ranger Air 260 MPX is also designed to provide a lower cost of ownership with features such as auto stop-start technology and an electronic throttle body engine with variable engine speed. Don't miss out on this versatile and reliable machine that can handle any demanding job site. Visit www.lincolnelectric.com for more information on the Ranger Air 260 MPX available later this year and save space on your truck for other tools and gear with this compact power horse. Hi, welcome to another episode of the Weld.com podcast. I'm Bo Wigington. In this week's episode, I got the chance to sit down with Bob Moffitt, or as most people call him, the Bob Father. Bob tells me about his journey into welding education, the struggles of the modern day teaching landscape, and some of his favorite trips over the past year. We also chat about the importance of listening to more experienced welders, and Bob also grills me on some of my grilling techniques. Do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience just in case they've been living on a different planet and don't know who you are? Oh, there's a bunch of folks don't know who I am. <laughs> and my name, my name is Bob Moffat. I was born in the Midwest and grew up around the Midwest. I grew up around Pahuska, Oklahoma, and Ponca City, Oklahoma, northern Oklahoma and Osage County. Ponca City is in K County, just across the river. But that's where I grew up and. I had the Air Force recruiter in my house one time. My mom said, before you sign those papers, and I had the pen in hand. I was getting ready to go on the ink there with the paper and say, here I am. My mom says, you might want to talk to your dad first. Like, about what? He came in that evening, and we talked. And I appreciate what you're doing, but I got this oil business, and I'm independent now. He retired Sunray in 1968 when I was 10 years old. And we 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 just moved over to Ponca. And he was independent at that point. So 1968 to 76 was my was when I graduated. And that was just kind of an odd time. We were, back in those days, it was the Cold War with Russia, all the threats of Cold War and all that. My man, hanging over your head all the time, the nuclear, all that. You know, geez, that was brutal. I just wanted to go to the Air Force. I was looking at inspection. I was looking at, I'd already been welding. I was two years into a national program or a year and a half in. I was going to graduate in the spring of 76. So. Where this was that at? Fall 75. Pioneer Area Toga Votech okay. in Ponca City, Oklahoma. Nice. There's some great Votechs around Oklahoma. <clears throat> they were funded by per capita taxing. And so you had some strong school bases, Oklahoma City, Edmond, Tulsa area. They had some good schools around there. Stillwater had a good one. I knew the majority of the welding instructors in all those institutions. Having graduated there, I started teaching there in Ten years later, 1986, is when I actually started my teaching career. And, of course, you hear all these people, you're teaching because you can't do. Yeah, I hate when people Um, say that. (laughs) Oh, cringe. Those are the guys that work circles around without even trying. Just absolutely bury them in the ground. They can't keep up. And I started teaching, yeah, 
I was working a full-time job, eight to 10 hours. There's times I've worked 10 hour shift. I'll go teach at night, trying to build a better crew. I'm trying to help people and bring better quality hands onto our crew, my crew in the refineries or wherever we're working so that we can do better quality work, work here more efficiently and make more money. Gee whiz, I thought that's what we were supposed to do in business. Yeah. Try to be efficient and throw the quality out there. I cringe it when I see shoddy workmanship and all that kind of stuff. And then we take for granted what these different crafts entail. I never paid attention to tile work till I walked through the, until after laying tile. Then you walk through a grocery store or somewhere and you're looking down and see if all the tiles are match up in the corners. Yeah, that's kind of like nuts. when I got into welding, they're like, yeah, now you're going to go out in the world and every weld, you're going to judge it. And it's true. I see every one. Yeah, yeah, whether it's your weld or not, you're going to look at it. So Bob Moffat was born in the Oklahoma region and works blue collar pretty much all his life. But I knew all kinds of people. I still do. We all, it doesn't matter if you're a custodian or politician it doesn't matter what walk of life it's like an entertainer you might be super famous and i'm backstage talking to you and hey we're the same people you just have a different job than i do you're looking to start a new training facility right i am yeah i want to do something when i was with well.com i did a boot camp thing i offered a boot camp one summer and i've been doing business and industry trainings specific to that business or just doing one-on-one trainings. i had people come to me and they'd want to learn something and a lot of it I taught myself, like TIG pipe, but they would come to me. So I wanted to put together this training seminar one summer, and I was going to use the dormitories at the college. They were sitting empty. The cafeteria is still going for the rest of the student athletes. Why not utilize some of that stuff? And I put together this package, and it was a boot camp for a week. And overnight, I sold 18 of 20 spots. So your room was stayed in the dorm, and you got fed breakfast and lunch, and that was part of the, that was part of the gig. And he had training and welding and NDT, and there was some humor involved and some goofy, <laughs> there was some goofiness, and there was, there was good stuff. Well, that's awesome. And so, but you said you're trying now, you're looking to start a new training facility. Doing the same thing. I want to, I want to do some short training sessions. If somebody would need to come in and see me for a particular day, all day, or if they need to come in for several days, I wouldn't mind putting together some two, three days seminar type things on various processes or one specific process or just kind of open it up and in that respect i think that's needed still i see other people doing it i don't know the quality and the i don't know that what they're delivering is the content i don't know i know our content my content i know what i'm capable of doing i wrote my program i rewrote the program that was there at the college i'm sitting in the middle of petrochemical agricultural aircraft what do you think i wrote the program to all of that i know that the world of education is changing these days but what do you specifically think needs to change in the world of education to give students a better chance at getting into the industry these days need to change in junior high and high school you got too much coddling and enabling going on if you do c d f work and that's what you need to be getting for a grade just because you signed up for a class doesn't mean you need to pass it because you were there or not there or whatever just because your name is on the roster that doesn't mean you automatically pass that's where a lot of the problem starts in 1986 when i started teaching at pioneer tech it was about 85 percent teaching and 15 percent paperwork maybe 
And it seems when I got to the college, it was about that ratio as well. And I had some really good students. So math was not a big deal. English was not a big deal. They could spell, write effectively. They could put together a business proposal, their resume, all that kind of stuff. Not a big deal. When I left the college, it was more probably 30% teaching and 70% paperwork type stuff. And it's like documenting all this stuff. Like students have more rights than the teachers do. Right there, to me, in my opinion, that's just my opinion. It's just that was unnerving. And then the quality of student coming in, back when I started college, it was, let's just call it 97. Pretty strong student. It only takes one to drive your classroom into chaos, driving the toilet, but that's one person, a distraction. It seemed like it was just the opposite. I might have one, and when I started in 97, I might have one out of 15. And it seemed like I might have one or two good students at the end of my teaching career. One or two good students out of 15 that are going to really go on and use the craft and do something with it. The sad thing is we have to document all that. We have to do follow-up reports. I've tracked students down three states away. They're making bukus of money working in some, they're working in a, in a business that's, or in a profession that's related to what they were trained in. So that's a positive. Yeah. If you're working in something totally different, then that's, you have to document it, but that's a negative. Military used to be a positive. I don't know that it is anymore. And they ask you some funny questions on there. Is he in jail? I don't know. I'm not there with him, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Did he die? Not to my knowledge. They ask you some really weird questions on there. And I've literally, I've made, made those phone calls to follow up. And a family member has told me that student has died or something. And you go, God, I'm sorry. I, how am I supposed to know? Yeah. And you're following up with students that are like a year, two years ago. Dang it. And it's a crappy report to have to fill out. I set my program up on a point system. There's 10 points per class if you showed up on time. Hmm. If you didn't show up on time, you were only working. You had only eight points available. If you call it participation points, then you're legal. That's the way I ran it. 10 points possible per day. Motivate the quality. The rest of it's based on if you don't abuse your... I don't... I didn't like to give breaks. I hate giving breaks in three-hour-long class. You need to go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom, but don't take a... Don't go take a 20, 30-minute break and then go sit on the tailgate of my truck and take another break. That's where the abuse came in. They just sit there and BS all the time. I stay busy. Motivate the quality. It's real easy to make an A or a B in the class. If you do your work, real easy. And I can put you to work if you're an A or B student. It's real hard when you start missing classes, you collect zeros. And then you're down in the CDF range. It's because of the zeros. And, you're not, and you can't make them up. If I'm full in the morning and I'm full in the afternoon, when are you going to make it up? If I have an open spot, yeah, you can come in. But when is that going to be? And I'm not waiting until the end of the semester for you to make up time. I did that one time, Bo. One time. <laughs> It was that a marathon. Doubled, if not tripled, that doubled, if not tripled, my work. Dang. Because I was keeping track of time, this and that. I'm going to be here for an hour and a half. You write that down. I got to go do something else. So then uh, you became no. a bookkeeper Sorry. after that. I did. <laughs> and I just, then I became a prick and I said, no, we're not doing any of that. If you're not here, you're not here. Yeah. Like me, if I don't show up to work at Bo's shop, then he's not going to pay me. How about that? It's zero. Here's the math on all that. If in an eight-week class we met 24 times, that's 240 points. But you were there, you're, you missed four of them. How about that? Roundabout numbers. So if you missed four classes, sitting at you 200. 200 points available, 200 divided by 240, and 
let's say that you only average 90% out of it. And that's strong, averaging 90% every day that you're there. So you take 200 divided by 240 times 0.9, that is your grade. What is hey, that? 75. That's a C. You just made a C. You should have been there for the other four classes. They would have helped you out tremendously. Yeah, that's real easy to make it. Real easy, real easy to make a DNF when you're not there. Yeah, see, I, that's the problem, and that's where I felt the real problem was attendance and accountability. The hell, everybody wants me to be accountable. Yeah, and we don't raise our kids anymore, in my opinion. We, parents these days, a lot of them, we don't read to them. We don't raise our kids. We just let them go do whatever. We're stuck in front of a TV, and they're entertaining themselves by gaming and the entertainment thing. We're not into sports. We're not into, we don't get up and we don't interact with our kids. We're sending them to the schools and now it's the teacher's fault. Yeah. If anything, no, I just don't believe in that. That's, just, that's wrong. And I think that's how we got lazy in our society. I don't care for it, but what am I going to do about it? Yeah. Right? Get on podcasts and voice my opinion more or what? I feel that's you, a man. Joke, Bo. Come on, man. <laughs> Things have changed, I say, in education. I just don't. In career and tech ed, I think the school system, we can't say anything to kids these days. You can't do anything. I, not that I was trying to punish anybody, but I'll tell you this. By setting my program up on point system, it was fair, consistent, and it removed me from the equation. Is, it, is that right? The ability matter, is on the student. Yeah. It puts it right back on them. You take ownership in it. Gee whiz, you're, you enrolled here. You have all this stuff available to you. And if you don't take advantage of it, then at the end of the day, what do you got? You had it available to you. You just didn't take advantage of it. You were too many absences. You didn't do this, didn't do that. I had it written into my, in each of my classes, like six absences, you can be removed from the roster. Six absences, you're in the toilet anyway. Gee whiz. Yeah. If you miss three classes, you miss three demos, you don't know how to do the technique. You don't know the setting. The other bad thing for me, this this really didn't set well for me. I was told that I was not allowed to film anything the last year I was there. Other than I was on administrative review my last year. 26 years, not once in my career did I have a, a reportable accident from a student. President of the college asked me, "Is that?" He says, "Is that good?" I, nah, it's just average. <laughs> yeah, that's just that's it's normal. Know, I cut my hand. I, I get foreign body in my eye or something, but I, it wasn't. It was rare. Yeah, I was going to put my whole program on video before I left. I still have it in my head. Gee whiz, I wrote it and I lived it for that long. I know what it's about. I was going to put it all on video so I could do these demonstrations one time and have somebody if they if they miss class they could watch the video. I don't have to back up and babysit them and do this demo all over again. From my personal experience, like how we talked, how you helped me a lot through my school experiences that you can see a demo as a group and you're not really getting up close and being able to see it right. as close as you can when you film it. And that's what I think is so exciting about the future I see in welding education is everybody has different welding videos showing different processes and techniques and everything. And that I really see right. that as the future, but you still got to have a torch in your hand to learn how to weld. It's like that's absolutely it's hand eye, it's hand eye coordination. I joke with people when I go do presentations and I'm recruiting, I'm sorry, you left hand. Are you right-handed? Are you ambidextrous? And they go, oh, I'm right-handed. Have you ever injured your right hand? Now you got to brush your teeth left-handed. You stab yourself in the eye with a toothbrush. It, it feels weird. Yeah. It's muscle memory. You do something over and over again, that feels comfortable to you. That's right to you. 
right or wrong, that's right for you. And it feels good. Now, let's say you want to get to the next level. We have to break that muscle memory. So we have to use over-exaggerated mental thoughts. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And God, man, that's tough to overcome sometimes. So that awareness, your subconscious mind, that's ingrained. You do the same thing every time. You, if I took you out to dinner and you had a, we had a steak, you're going to hold the fork in one hand, knife in the other, right? Can't do it the other way. Most people can't. It's very uncomfortable for them. And that's what I'm talking about. So hand-eye coordination, I can't weld for you. We all weld different. That's why Hamar Gilo and I, in the fledgling days of WeldTube and Weld.com, Hamar and I got together and it's like the young guy picking on the old guy. And that was cool. That was fine by me because how he would do a weld, let's just take 6G TIG root. I'm going to put a land on mine. Might not be much, but it'd be like 332nd and less. He wouldn't. He'd go feather edge. That's the way I was taught was feather edge. And he's right-handed. I'm left-handed. I'm old. He's young. He welds a different technique and everything. But guess what? We're meeting in the exact same place when we get done. You know what it is? The code. We're going to be right there inside the code allowable limits when we're finished with that weld. No more than eighth of an inch root reinforcement on the inside of the pipe. No undercut. And no more than eighth reinforcement on the outside. Stringers, weeds, don't matter. We're going to meet at the same place. And so we contrasted those styles on video and everybody's going, "Ah, that's fun stuff. That's cool. But the workmanship standards are still the same. Right? Yeah. So... It's like anything else. I want to learn what the parameters are. I'm going to learn what the end outcome has to be and work within those windows. After that, when you define everything, you get to refine your skills. You motivate to that. And that's where I came in. I could see things that somebody might be doing wrong simply by how they were holding the torch, propping where their weight was, how they were standing, and all that kind of stuff. Body mechanics, people don't really understand how important your body mechanics are to welding. Most people just think it's all about just looking at the arc and the puddle and making sure your wire feet, like all that. But the way you move your body is just as important as the way you move the torch. Absolutely. You might come out of the gate in the morning you make some damn good welds, and by mid-afternoon, you're all over the place because <laughs> you're wore out. Yeah. Seriously, people who get wore out just by the way they stand, their posture and everything else. And we work these big jobs. We're building 150,000-pound boilers. When I get done with a certain tool or a certain item, I want to put it back in my toolbox, my locker. I don't want it left out. I'll be tripping over that shit all day long, and I don't want to do it. I want to go home, and I still want to have some energy left and go mow the yard or something. My dog wants to run three miles big old german shepherd and look him in the eye and say no i'm worn out (laughs) see how that goes that's not gonna make him (laughs) not gonna make him very happy yeah so you try to keep your workplace organized and you got less fatigue at the end of the day put that stuff away you don't be tripping over stuff we used a term we called cord locked i want to get cord locked all day long got your leads everywhere that's why i braided my electrical extension cords i'd braid a hundred foot cords i don't want to roll it up I know when I roll it up, it's going to get in a knot. When it gets in a knot, it hooks on something, and I'll trip and fall on my lips. I don't like that, Bo. I don't like that either. I'll try to keep it organized. And then I've worked with a lot of people all day long, never said a word to them. I don't need to talk to them. You, I know what you're doing. If you're going to need a crescent wrench here in just a second, you're getting ready to take your nuts off the terminals and change your leads or something, I see what you're doing. I'll toss you a crescent wrench or something. You don't need to beg for it. Right here by me, I just see what's going on around me. I'll unbraid a cord and plug it in for you and hand you the end. I know you're getting ready to grind. 
and I'd appreciate the same thing in return. And that's that. You don't have to. You don't have to. You know, I mean, you communicate with people, and there's various ways of communicating. I just like to work smooth, go with it. Working in the pro shop one time out in Vegas, and we're just bombarded. We got people. We're just going. Excuse the expression. Balls to the wall. We we got to serve these customers. And the guy, there's two of us working the pro shop. We don't need to talk to each other. I know he's ringing somebody up. He's doing this. I see what he's doing. He's handing me stuff. I'm handing him stuff. We just keep rocking and rolling. People are going, wow, these guys just, just took a bunch of money off me. And they didn't even talk to each other. <laughs> they got it going on, man. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's, wow, it's a fun time, brother. Appreciate you being there for me. Yeah. yeah likewise. We got a lot done today, and uh, it was a good day. We, we weren't stressed out. We weren't griping at each other. And fun time. You want to make your work fun. You don't want to go to work and dredge through it all the time. You got to make it uplifting and rewarding. That's my philosophy. Years bartending, that was one of my favorite things about it. Like doing high volume bartending is a whole different game. Most people think, oh my God, like, yeah. I'm bartender. Bar I'm barking at you. I'm trying to get a drink. I'm trying to get your attention. And you, you probably already did five minutes ago. You know what I'm wanting, but you can't acknowledge me yet. Yeah. People don't understand that. They get all butthurt, grumpy. And yeah. But it's that same mentality. I'm not talking. I might sell like $5,000 worth of drinks in a night and the guy right next to me does the same thing and the girl right next to me on the other side does the same thing. We didn't say one word to each other until the end of the night. We're like, yep. wow, that was crazy. Yep, that was, a, that was out there. That was a wild one. Yeah. And those, those are all, just like anything else, those are dynamic. You could have the same band in three nights in a row and every one of those nights will be different, won't they? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. The I mean, energy, the vibes, everything. I've seen that in on welding jobs. I've seen it in all kinds of stuff. I'll tell you the, what you really want to watch out, especially in the craft and trades and you're out contracting, you're out welding, you're doing moving stuff out job site. Be safe. Be aware of your surroundings and watch out for the people that get irritable when they start working long hours. God, man, I used to work. Well, if you're around a New Yorker, you expect it. Because a New Yorker will gripe you out and flip you off and tell you to go places. And that means he likes you. Yeah. But other, seriously, go get it yourself. That means he likes you. But I've worked with some people, and it's like, you ask him for a crescent wrench or something, there's going to be a fight. You know, they're that after about three days, a long hour, and I'm talking tens and twelves, they're not used to it. So they get all irritable. And it's like, get it yourself. And then the other thing, I've watched people make shortcuts when they're cold. Yeah. And I don't like that because I've seen people get hurt bad. And when they're cold, and they're just not paying attention. They get lethargic and they're just not putting the awareness in. They just take things for granted. But then it's too late. Working with all these different people throughout the years, what have been some of the most useful tricks that you've picked up along the way? Useful tricks besides the one I picked, from, picked up from Jody Collier. I thanked him when I met him the first time. I thanked him. He's confused. He goes, what? I said, golly, man. I would be going in the classroom to do a lecture on a particular subject, and you just got through doing the video, and it was out there, bang. I go in, and I'm searching for it on the web, and bang, it comes up, boom. So thank you. You made my life easier. And that, that happened like 15 times before I met Joey, and it happened a couple times afterwards. And he said, hey, I've been watching your stuff, too. It's cool. So those tips and tricks off the Internet were good. Back when I was growing up, we didn't have the Internet of welding videos it was all book theory and old timers if you didn't pay attention to the old timers you're you out of luck cool stuff yeah i'll see if you ever seen anybody walk around with a folding rule you need to snuggle up right close to them you need to watch those guys ask them questions if they don't answer 
pay attention because they know things. Those guys can do all kinds of calculations on the fly, but those are your craftsmen. The wooden rule guys, wow, they could do some stuff. I worked with a guy, my lead man, my foreman out at a plywood mill in Oregon when I was going to school at Oregon Tech. The poor guy mumbled all the time. He asked him a question, he mumbled. And, but he got, he did, I mean, his, I've never seen anybody lay out a stairway so fast and so precise as this guy. You call out some numbers of elevation and got rise and run. He'd slap a couple of pieces of channel iron on the saw horses and he'd get a scribe out in the framing square and his stair, his stair gauges. And this thing was exact. He'd throw the chokers on it and bring it up to you with the crane and it fit. It was quick too. So you ask those questions, you know, how do you do certain things? Pay attention to the answer. I think that's another thing people don't do. They don't listen to the answers. Like you said at the beginning of this podcast, learn to listen. Learn to listen to the unspoken things as well. Highly important. People tell you what they're doing without saying a word. Watch your mannerisms. Watch your actions. I don't know. I've been taught some cool stuff. I cut with one hand in a burn bar. I can bevel. I can cut almost as good as a track torch. You want me on your crew as a fitter when we're out in the country and you don't have a track torch out there. Who's going to cut and fit for you? You want me on there. That's just something I've been doing for myself forever. At a very young age, I learned to cut with one hand. You've traveled a lot just in your experience and working in the field and education and speaking in different places. What have some of your favorite experiences over the past couple of years been? Recruiting students into the crafts and helping them out. Helping students that have somehow gotten into a, a situation and more, these situations come about because of parents more than anything. It's like a parents will, they'll tell their kid, you'll never amount anything, you know, piece of crap. I hate hearing that, but it happens. And I'm hacked off at the parents right away. You know, that motivation, there's no motivation there. There's no resources for them. And I have a friend of mine that taught at college, taught related classes. And I've helped a lot of students and a lot of people don't even know about it. We don't need to have it known, but we help students. We recruit them in the grocery store. Their mom's in the produce section. We recruit them there. Mom needs to know that students have opportunities and this is possible. They don't have the resources. They don't have the tools. I'll cover the tools. I'll cover the books. I'll cover some clothes. I'll donate some stuff here and there to the success of a student. Yeah, I'll do it. Great. We've well, done that numerous times. And if a kid graduates high school, gets put in a job, they're making more money than their parents are combined. And they don't have to listen to the parents drive them. Oh, you're a piece of Man, I hate that. Yeah. It happens so much. It's just it's mind-boggling. But last in those last years, that's rewarding. Successfully recruiting students and having you see the light bulb come on and they figure it out or they're motivated to figure it out on their own or try. That's the thing. Those are the highlights. The opportunity to teach a paraplegic. It was emotional times. It was like I was his grunt all day long, but God, we laughed all day. We, we trying to teach him to weld aluminum as a beginner all the way down to 40,000 thick. And that's brutal. As the manipulations, and he's sitting there in a wheelchair, and I'm trying to figure out how I can get him there. And for the most part, I did. And then he writes me these, uh, he wrote me a card when he left, and whatnot. And I didn't want to open it for a long time. I knew it was going to be an emotional reading. It was. He went down to Dallas and working for family members. And, I mean, that was a highlight. You've got to admit, that was a highlight. When it comes to recruiting students in general, what is your approach? How do you sell welding to people? I can go into a high school. you got all these other recruiters coming in there, too. But get down on their level and... Lay it out there straight across. I'd say, how many of you want to die to get out of here, graduate high school? Everybody's going to raise their hand, yeah. except one or two. And then you got to look at them. You go, you don't want to leave? What? 
they all, everybody raises their hands. We want to get out of there. Next question is, how many of you want to make a lot of money when you graduate high school? Everybody's going to raise their hand. And then your question is, how are you going to do that? What's your plan? Nobody's got a plan, hardly. Maybe one or two. A lot of kids these days, they don't have a clue what they want to do, and that's fine. That's okay. You and I both know people that have, they went through college and all this training. They're working in a job that isn't even close to what they spent all that money on and all that time on. And that's just life. That, that happens. Look at me. I've had several different spinoffs. I had several side gigs going on in case case one of them over here. If I got laid off welding, I had two other side gigs working. I can make money on survive on. I'm the same way, man. And you got to these days. And when you go recruit high school students or recruit students or even adults, you're going to recruit them. Somebody wants to make a career change. Why? Here's what you're going to get up against. But it can be so rewarding because welding for a long time was looked at as a non-attractive profession. It's greasy, nasty, smoky work. And that's not the case. That is clearly not the case. We're doing TIG welding and aircraft. You go in there with a dress shirt and tie and weld all day. You come out looking just like you went in. It's clean. Just a little more sweaty. There's so many aspects to the welding trade. You could be a buyer. You could be a detailer. You could be a salesperson. I made good money in sales. I worked sales for a number of years. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I love going in and quoting the price and sticking with it. And the guy called me back to you a little high on your quote and change it. And I said, yeah, I got room to go higher. <laughs> I didn't go lower. I wasn't about to go lower. What the hell? That's what put a lot of people in trouble. If you, how many times have you seen an ad in the paper? There's somebody selling a car and it's $1,500 or $2,000 OBO. You know what OBO means? Or best offer. It means come kick my ass. Cause I'll take lower. Yeah. That's all that means. Really quote a price and stick with it. Justify yourself. That's what, that's where it's at. That's great you advice. Cut, if you man. cut your price, if you cut your price 10%, mathematically, you have to sell 1.7 times, 1.8 times as much product to make the same amount of money. <laughs> Prove it mathematically. If you raise your price 10%, you can tell 35% of your business to go away and you'll make the same amount of money. Now, I don't care to raise it that much, but I'll leave it where I think is fair and boom. You're selling service anyway. You're selling yourself. You're not selling. It's not product. You deliver product all the time. That's, you're selling yourself. One of my customers called me in the middle of the night and said, I got a problem. I'll be there on my way. Got you. That's so later on when you, later on when you drop a quote on a piece of something, you know, it's not even a question. Yeah, that's fair. That's good. I know he's fair. He's got me. Don't have to, don't have to squabble over nickels and dimes and everything. I don't need to get beat up over it. Um, he knows that that's right. You ask a question, I can answer it. Yes, that is correct. Price. Here's how I based it. Boom. Go from there. Sales, I thought was fun. You get to know people. I got to train some of those purchasing agents. They said, hey, I need to come down and put this machine together. I said, well, I didn't get that sale. You told me I was too high. Oh, yeah. Let me guess. It's sitting on the dock from my competitor in a box. Is that right? Yeah. So call them on up and have them come down and fix it or put it together for you. 50 bucks an hour. Time I leave the driveway, the time I get home, I drive real slow. <laughs> I always made those, I always made those tickets come out about a hundred or so above what my quote was. The time I'm there putting it together, that's I'm charging or my customer. Not, but the time I'm with your operator, teaching him how to use it and run through all the bells and whistles. That's free. I never charge for that. But when I quoted a piece of equipment or something, it was turnkey. 
You didn't have to put it together. You didn't have to do this. You didn't have to supply all the power cable with it and the clamps and lugs. I did that for you. That's why my quotes were three or $400 higher than anybody else, because the machine was turnkey. Either hardwired into your wall or a plug was on it, you plug it into your wall. But it was there, and it was ready to go. Wire, gas, you name it. My a great way to... My competitor, you drop it off in the box. You're six hours putting it together and another $300 in support components and parts, if you can find them. Tell me, what are your goals for this year? What are big things that you want to accomplish? For this year, I'll tell you what I'm up to right now. I want to flush the stool and wash my hands and get right on back to being happy. I've been messed with too much. Maybe it's my fault I didn't put my foot down and bark. I didn't speak loud enough, but I'm tired of getting jacked with. I'm tired of being taken advantage of. I just want to flush the stool on all that crap and get right on back to find me some place where I can settle down, do some cooking, and help people in the welding craft. That's really all I want to do. I want to live out my days. But I, this year, I man, I, I just interviewed Danny Kiderling the other day. And I wanted to give him some of my stuff. I started giving him stuff for his accident. Danny, I thought we'd be a great guy. Yeah. I wanted to do some stuff to make his life easier like I do anybody. If I've got some tools designed or if I gave Danny a baby anvil made out of a piece of railroad iron that I made, I gave it to him yeah, a year ago, I guess, two years ago down in Texas at a high school welding competition. Put it back on the truck. You can go do some you can pounding your lugs on your electrical components, or doing some jewelry, do some shaping. Find that it's nice to have a little baby anvil. Go, don't tear up something else when you're making this. Now it might come in real handy when he's making something. And I wanted to give him some certain items. I gave him my game changer gloves. They're heat resistance and the pinkies. Mm -hmm. I wanted to protect his hands while he's trying to get back into TIG welding. Anything that I've got that would help somebody out, especially him right now, after his accident, I told a lot of people, I said, I want to get out there and work for him. I got to do something to help him out. I can't afford to send a bunch of money. I need a bunch of money myself, and who cares? But anyway, I got the opportunity to meet up with him, and I feel very comfortable about Lane. I gave him, a, I gave him my custom-painted pano hood yesterday. If it'll help him out. I know he wears a pancake all the time, but gee whiz. If he's in a situation where he can improve by having that better uh, that clear field of vision around his head around his peripheral vision hey you're welcome to use my pano hood my blue demon panoramic clean vision here you wear this you want to take my stickers off there then do it but i gave it to him if it comes back to me later on then i'm a rich man i'm a rich man anyway by being able to give it to him yeah Anything I've got to help somebody out, tools, I, I'm, I'll make them, I'll make them something. Yeah, stuff like that. You can become wealthy by, <clears throat> not by monetary status, you can become wealthy by having friends and doing them right. Yeah. In my opinion, that's my personal opinion. Danny and I always talk about doing ribs. He says he sucks at ribs. I tried to talk him through it one time. I said, it ain't that hard, really. And anyway, he, he just doesn't, apparently he doesn't make them good, something. So one of these days I'll get out there and we'll, teach him how to do ribs. He can teach me how to do brisket because I suck at brisket. My brisket's like boot leather, man. I made wings one year for a Super Bowl party and I smoked them for eight hours because I thought that was what, what you do. Just chicken wings. And they came out chicken leather. Wings, you smoked them for eight hours? Well, they look like little killdee <laughs> or something? They look like pig ears God, coming dang. out of there. 
Oh my god, Bo, really? Yeah. <laughs> we tried to eat him, man, and the whole house. You did? We tried. It, it was not successful. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. Danny's a little shy on the ribs, and I want to help him out. Just trading back and forth. But again, he had an unfortunate accident. I'm going to do everything I can to stand behind him. I'll try to help him out. That's all I can do is try to help him out. Yesterday, he said his pinkies are just coming back around. So here, you can have my you can have my game changer gloves, because I guarantee the heat ain't going to be generating through your pinkies. You don't want that. I showed him a video where I heated up with a piece of steel with a torch. I laid my finger on it for a number of seconds, and I looked at the camera and said, Game Changers, I don't want to talk about this again. I gave him the exact same pair of gloves that I was wearing when I did the video because it has a mark on it. You can tell from the heat. And he goes, oh, cool. I said, yeah, there you go, brother. I'm amazed to this day that people would still write in on comment on videos that were done years and years ago. They're currently commenting and saying, this guy can teach. I can understand what he's saying. Yeah. The way so you teach is it's amazing. I've been gifted with some kind of gab that people relate to when it comes to welding education. And I don't know. People walked up to me and said, man, you're one goofy son of a gun on camera. Thank <laughs> you very much. I, I want to be. And then what they really say, I wouldn't even be welding if it wasn't for you. And we love it when you screw up because you don't try to hide it. No, I don't try to hide it. Things are going to happen. I want to teach you how to work through all that stuff, too. Don't. If something happens, I'll own up to it, man. I've made some horrible welds. I have. I know how to run a grinder for a reason. I got acquainted with my. I got acquainted with a grinder because I screwed up a couple times. I don't like to grind, but I'll try to keep you guys from grinding by telling you my screw ups. Give you a shortcut to success. Here's what's going to happen if you do this. Don't do it. So I appreciate, you know, what people is the feedback from all over the world. Really, they've written in and said. Thanks for what you did. Thanks for what you're doing. I don't take that for granted, though. I just, it's like a kick in the guts, and I just don't. I don't take it for granted. It's very humbling. It really is. I get emotional over it sometimes. I want to keep doing it because that's the reason I got into doing the videos. I had the opportunity, and the opportunity was to help people. It's all, it's all I really wanted to do is help people out. I'm amazed at some of the videos that we did years back that, the simple ones, you know, doing fill-in material, and they get millions and millions of views. One of them I looked at the other day, the current comments on videos done five years ago, current comments, that, that's mind-boggling to me. And that's another thing I don't take for granted. Did a video five years ago, and somebody commented on it last week asking a question. Oh, man. But some of them were do's and do nots of MIG welding, where you identify seven different things, seven different parameters, settings, and whatnot. And... 7.6 million views. Gee whiz. That's so crazy. You know, the hobby, yeah, the hobbyist market, everybody's wanting to build stuff. And we talked about the boot camps earlier in this presentation, this podcast. Man, for a while I was getting phone calls, and I don't know what it was about people in law enforcement or law. I talked to prosecutors, I talked to attorneys, judges, federal judges, cops, sheriffs, highway patrol, city, you name it. They want to learn how to weld. Why? Hobby, retirement, whatever. Come on, let's learn. I always try to end each episode with what would be your biggest piece of advice you'd give a new welder or somebody that is just trying to progress in the industry? Don't eat both chicken wings. <laughs> that is the best advice ever heard on this podcast. <laughs> no, no, I'd say don't be afraid to learn. Just follow your gut. Be one piece. Follow your gut. And the other one is don't be afraid to learn. Pick up the books. Do the keystrokes on the internet, but learn. Learn the good stuff. 
especially the math. Yeah, the math. I've heard from many a person that the math is very important. So to it brush is. over it. You if got... you don't know the math, you can come to work for me and I'll pay you whatever I want to. You'd never be able to figure it out. It's the truth that? right there. I've had a wonderful chat with you, man, and I look forward to having many more. Do you ever plan on swinging well, through the East Coast? Absolutely. I'd love to get back in that. That's one part of the one part of the country I haven't seen yet. Where you're at, anyway. I've not out. seen that. I'll take you on a brewery to, tour. I'd love that. I, I would love to be able to stop in certain places and know the culture, know the food, know the history, and you're in a region that I, that's one of them right there. Time you want to come out, man, just let well me know. Rested. Yeah. Hey, I enjoyed it. If it was too long, I apologize, but you kept asking the questions. So. Hey, man, I just enjoyed talking to you, man. That's, I, there was I appreciate two it. years I knew you very intimately through my TV screen. And now I get the chance to actually talk to you. Let's record some videos together. Let's do some videos. We'll do some welding. We'll build some stuff right there where you're at. That'd be awesome, man. All right. I've got a little shop here at the house. We could hang out and smoke chicken wings all day and build Mm -hmm. stuff. That's my goal right there. That's my goal for 2023 is go around and visit tour people. I might accidentally leave a welding machine behind. You never know. Hey, man, I'll take it. I am honored that you invited me on here, and I hope that it was fulfilling for the listeners. Oh, it absolutely will be. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Weld.com podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, shoot me a message on the Weld app and let me know what kind of topics or people you would like me to have on in future episodes. Also, if you're trying to score some new equipment and swag, every month there's a mystery box of surprises given away to a lucky premium member, so make sure you don't miss out. I'm Bo Wigington, and until next week, we'll see you out there.